Welcome to the Pivoting Out of Education podcast, where hosts Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Studdard will share their stories of folks who have left campus-based positions in education and K-12 to leverage their skills in other contexts. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average person holds 12 jobs between the ages of 18 and 50. Educators, like Jamie and Tom, often enter their careers thinking they will stay in education forever, perhaps because they're trained to think that way, or perhaps it is hard to see other pathways. Both of your hosts pivoted out of campus-based positions and are loving it. Now they want to give back and support others trying to do the same. Thanks for listening in and enjoy today's episode of the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pivoting Out of EDU. I'm Jamie Hoffman. And I'm Tom Studder. And we are here today with Kelvin Bentley. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really excited to hear about your story and your pivots. So if you can get started by sharing with folks about your background, specifically in education, and then maybe lead us into what made you think about looking outside of or adjacent to education? Sure. No, thanks for having me today. So, you know, for me, I, I got involved in, in teaching kind of right after I finished my doctorate and after I finished my pre-doctoral internship. So at the time when I was in graduate school, I was studying to be a clinical psychologist and, you know, was really thinking I would actually do clinical work, you know, after finishing up. But I, I really was attracted to teaching. I had enjoyed being a TA. I actually, you know, when I was at the University of Delaware, I was in charge of the learning and motivation rat lab at the time. So back then you could actually, you know, teach kids about or learners about, you know, Pavlovian conditioning and operant conditioning. And so I really enjoyed that class. And then I got a chance when I was at uh, Kansas State University I got a chance to be kind of an adjunct instructor uh, teaching a developmental psychology course. And so, so really, you know, for me, I, I, I was really attracted to teaching and then had a chance to actually work for a school that was looking for an assistant professor, but then also someone who wanted someone to help build a fully online Bachelor of Science program in psychology. So at Northwestern State University back in 2001, I did that work. And that got me involved in online learning. And so really enjoyed that work um, and also gave me a chance to work at an institution that was clo- uh, physically closer to my girlfriend, who is now my wife and mother of our two beautiful kids. So it was, uh, you know, it was a win-win all around. And, and really for the, the majority of my career, I've been I've kind of overseen online learning courses and programs as a function of that job, right? So that really got me turned on to like the future of online education, providing learners an opportunity to either begin or continue their degree through online coursework in a flexible way around their schedules. And I just really appreciated, you know, working in that environment. And I was working, I remember I was working as a director of online learning for a community college in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania called Northampton Community College and was there for about four years. And I was in my fourth year when Courtney and I, we were expecting our first child, our daughter, Kate, who is now, geez, you know, she's 10 now, which is crazy. She'll be 11 in June. But 
at the time I was really nervous, you know, being a new father about, you know, paying, helping to pay the bills. And I started, you know, even though I really enjoyed working for a community college at the time, I was like, well, you know, could there be a way for me to make a slight, you know, slightly more money to kind of, you know, help support my family. And so I had a contact through Blackboard and, you know, he and I were talking and he mentioned that there was, you know, going to be some opportunities there. I should kind of, you know, continue to look. Maybe there could be maybe even some consulting opportunities. And so over time, I did find a strategic consulting opportunity where it gave me an opportunity to work with uh, different schools looking to find better ways to offer online learning courses, programs, student services. And that actually led me to, you know, actually have a position slightly outside of higher ed running alongside of it, right? So that was kind of the first opportunity where I, I, I had an opportunity to, to work outside of uh, higher education. And, but I, I enjoyed the work because it allowed me to, you know, kind of get outside of just one institution and work with several uh, at the same time. So really enjoyed that work until, you know, after two years, unfortunately, Blackboard went through a reorganization. And so I, my position at Blackboard at the time was then eliminated after two years. But I, but again, I, I really enjoyed the challenge of, you know, being consultant in, in that role. Oh, what I really love about that, and I, I'm sure our listeners will note this experience from several different folks who are going to be on the various episodes this season, is how you leveraged something internal to your role in higher ed to make that jump out of higher ed. And in your mm-hmm. case, it was Blackboard. I think you know, in 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 a lot of our in a lot of our situations, the the there's a challenge. How do we make that jump? And we think of corporate is like this other thing that's happening, yet we have these contacts and we have these resources in higher ed that are corporate and allow us to sort of make that jump. But it's a maybe more of a softer landing than if I was going to go directly into, you know, a Fortune 500 company. And I love that mm-hmm. you have that, that experience and that story of, of leveraging Blackboard to sort of take that next step outside of, you know, the campus-based role that you had. Yeah, no, it, it was it was an interesting process because I, you know, I, I think at the time I was also kind of just you know looking at comparable higher education, you know, uh, job postings, uh, higher ed jobs. You know, back then I, I'm sure I was looking at other sites too, like Monster.com and other things, and and just you know looking for using search variables too, like you know online learning or digital learning or you know distance education. And that really kind of, you know, opened, you know, it opened me up to to kind of look at other opportunities. I, I would say back then, though, you know, the, the, the one at Blackboard was definitely, as you mentioned, kind of a, a softer leap. And, you know, and, and since, you know, leaving Blackboard, you know, I've leveraged kind of other tools, you know, Indeed.com and others, LinkedIn, of course. And that's also kind of helped me to see, you know, what other opportunities are there, trying to for me, I'm trying to just make sure that if I'm looking for a position, I'm looking at, you know, using search variables on different sites that align with, again, things that I'm interested in. And and then also, you know, when I've not been actively looking, I still look just to find positions that describe the ecosystem, right? Because there's so many, you know, especially within higher ed, it's interesting to see what schools, for example, what new types of opportunities are opening up so that you can kind of see 
what schools are really kind of resourcing up to, you know, to do more within digital learning. I think now with COVID, you know, you're, you're seeing more of those types of job postings. You're seeing some a greater flexibility, right, in terms of the fact that, hey, you can actually hold some of these jobs more remotely, more so now than ever before. You know, before you had to, again, uproot your family. I've been through that uh, several times. In a couple cases, you know, I remember a case, and I won't name the school, but I remember taking a position where after I got there, there was a reorg and my position was eliminated. And so very painful, right, to have to, to go through that. But now because of COVID, one of the positives is that, you know, for certain positions, you don't have to worry about that. You can work from home and, and still be as productive and sometimes even more so productive working, you know, within a remote position. Yeah, COVID-19 has really changed the way in which we work and, and particularly in sort of, like you said, the education adjacent or, or the running in, in parallel track to the campus-based roles related to digital learning. You know, I, I will admit when you started talking about the Chronicle of Higher Education, I got excited. I remember the days, this will tell you how old I am, when it was delivered in an actual paper format. And I was an under, I remember being an undergraduate student and going to what the job postings were and thinking, these are the kinds of roles that I might be able to have someday. And so I appreciate that you brought that up. That, that sort of takes me back down a little bit of a memory lane. I'm curious, as you made the pivot out of a campus-based position, and particularly that first one for Blackboard, and then as you sort of stayed in these education-adjacent roles, what were the keys to your success as you made that pivot? And probably even more importantly, how did you help your future employers understand how your skills were going to be transferred? How did you sort of document them and communicate that to people you know, who are outside of a campus-based role, what it is that you did and how that would be transferable to your new role? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think what I tried to do is, again, provide as many different examples of the work that I did within higher education and then kind of just worked with certain employers to show them that there were, you know, that there were connections. Like for, for Blackboard, it was a little bit easier, I would say, because at least there, you know, they weren't looking for a technology person, right? Like, and that was actually one of the interesting things that I had to kind of overcome with people outside of Blackboard, more so than people within. Like I would go to conferences and tell people, hey, I work for Blackboard. And I remember a conversation that I had with a colleague and she was like, wait, I don't need an LMS. I don't need you to try to sell me on an LMS. And I was like, well, no, I'm not here to sell you an LMS. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in this new role for strategic consulting. And, and so, you know, with her, then she was like, oh, okay, now I understand. I even remember going to a historically black uh, college and university where unfortunately I couldn't, he couldn't get past the fact that I worked for an ed tech company. And so for him, he didn't really see us in that, that role of almost kind of providing, you know, OPM or OPE-like services to his institution because he saw Blackboard is only as a, a technology provider. And so I would say, you know, with uh, a couple of the companies that I've worked for, uh, as well as uh, consulting companies, is really just trying to talk with them about, okay, these are the types of activities that I've done, you know, I've you know, overseen uh, the scheduling of courses or that, you know, I've been involved in designing courses and programs. I've done pilots around online student services and then trying to find connections there so that, 
people saw value or even, you know, uh, one low hanging fruit too is that, you know, when you're in digital learning as a, as a director or chief online learning officer, you either directly or indirectly do market research, right? You're always kind of comparing your, your institution and what you do there with your peers when you go to conferences like at OLC or WCT or UPSIA or, you know, the, the various uh, EDUCAUSE. And so what I also found working with a couple of different folks as a consultant too is that they like the fact that you can also come in and leverage your experiences both directly in the roles that you've held, but then also talk with them about what the ecosystem is evolving to, right? What other schools are, you know, what are some of their strengths, areas of weakness, how maybe you can, you know, leverage that knowledge, that gestalt knowledge that you're that you've had over the years to maybe help them find a way to sell a product or offer a service in a way that is competitive, you know, and interesting to, you know, to colleges and universities who might be in need of it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You made me remember an experience that I have had in moving adjacent to higher ed. And maybe I suppressed it, or maybe I just don't mind about it as much. But it was really weird for me. I went from being on the NASPA Faculty Council, which NASPA is the National Student Affairs Association. Um, so I was on the Faculty Council one day, and the next day I was not because I joined a higher ed adjacent company. And the interesting thing was that I didn't change as a person, right? Like all of my mm-hmm. experience and, and the like stayed the same. But I no longer really felt that welcome in my own professional or what I had seen as my own professional organization. For instance, if you do not work at a university, you cannot hold a leadership position in that association anymore because there's this assumption that you would have access to and inappropriately, I guess, use the information and the context you have. And so it, it's it's been interesting trying to help universities establish trust and sort of mm-hmm. say, like, I mean, technically feel like one of you all, but also trying to push people to understand that not everybody in every position are the salespeople. Like th- that I that is not at all my role. I mean, people might sometimes think I'm selling what I do because I believe in it, but really that's actually not the scope of my job. And I think that's just partly because there's just a it's it's not a very known entity, this whole higher ed adjacent space, which is which is also why I'm passionate about doing this podcast to help folks see that there are a lot of other options and ways to use your skills. So so thanks for sharing that experience. It made it made me think about that that I had had and and hope to see the professions change. And I the conferences you noted and organizations, those all are ones I've gravitated toward now because they're much more accepting of and well, quite frankly, welcoming the varied perspectives that folks bring in the experiences. So, but with that, it was kind of a good pivot to say, what do you think are things that you miss from working in campus-based positions, but then what are the things that you enjoy being out of a campus-based position? Oh yeah. I love, I love this question because it's, I think what you said, what you just said kind of resonate, you know, it resonates with me in some key ways too, because 
you know, like for example, more recently, I was the, the, the VP for learning strategy for a company called Six Red Marbles that provides kind of more fee for service access to digital learning services, like, you know, build, helping schools build online courses and programs uh, and other kind of e-learning related resources. And, you know, one of the things I, I do miss is that sometimes there is that awkwardness, right? Like I remember going to a conference and again, some of my colleagues were like, okay, what do you do again? And, and, you know, and some saying, well, I don't really have any, I don't have any budget right now. This was before things shut down when we could still go to conferences. And I remember a conversation where we were just talking about, you know, I was just kind of saying, oh, tell me more about what you guys are doing at your institution. And, you know, one person kind of shut me down pretty quickly to say, you know, I don't have any money. And I'm like, well, I'm yeah. not a salesperson, you know. I know you're like, I was just trying to chat, but okay, just, all right. Yeah, I'm just trying to <laughs> chat. And, you know, if, if in our conversation, you know, I, I can help in any way. I mean, I think that's one of the things that, that is a little bit challenging. Like you're trying to just let people know that you're interested, you're as interested as ever in terms of what they're up to. And you would love to be able to, you know, kind of leverage your position to help them, you know, be successful through the services that you, that your company provides. And so, you know, so I I kind of miss just being able to maybe have those deeper conversations without kind of the walls being put up by, by certain folks, because they're still trying to to figure out, can they trust you? Can they, you know, kind of talk uh, shop, so to speak, yeah. in a way where you're not going to necessarily, you know, use that to, you know, perhaps sell something to them. I think, and and I do miss um, also being, at, you know, eligible. I think, Jamie, when you mentioned not being able to be on certain committees, I went through that as well. Like, I believe it's maybe when I was working for Blackboard or for some other doing some consulting and I had to step away from a role because of that, you know, you know, working with this company. And so, so I do, I do miss that from time to time. What I would say that I really enjoy is that I think you and I and others, you know, we've been in this space for, for a while now. And, and I would say one of the things I like about working adjacent to, to education or higher ed is the ability or the potential to, actually make an impact in a, in a bigger way, right? I think mm-hmm. what ends up happening, as, as we know, um, from all the Inside Higher Ed articles and Chronicle of Higher Education articles, is that innovation within education and higher ed can get bogged down really quickly for various reasons. Um, you know, even if there is like that organic support for certain initiatives, it's just schools are not really set up very easily to you know, pilot and, you know, God forbid, scale things that actually matter. We're not, higher ed especially is not always good in terms of being reflective and using data to make improvements in, in pedagogy so because it's, because everything is very decentralized, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like fiefdoms all over the place. And, and if you believe in academic freedom and, you know, I think that, is, is both a good and also a challenge to innovation because you can have a hundred faculty teaching psychology courses in a hundred different ways, which in, on the surface sounds interesting, but then we're not really doing a great job of saying, okay, out of all those hundreds of ways, in terms of parsimony, what is the model that actually makes the most difference to students, right? Yeah. What will actually help students be successful? 
And I like working adjacent to higher ed from time to time because at least in for many institutions, or for me, working with different institutions allows me to stay motivated, to stay you know, somewhat interested in the space because I'm not necessarily bogged down by just one institution. You know, maybe the flip side of that is you're bogged down by multiple institutions and you know, cultures that are resistant to change. But at least for me, it gives me an opportunity to work with lots of different folks. And, and, uh, and it gives me the hope that the work, working adjacent to higher ed, could actually make a difference in a, in a, in a bigger way. You know, so if you're able to help, let's say you're working with 10 institutions and let's say five of them make some key changes, then you're like, ooh, I've been able to help at a certain level of scale that I was not able to do within one institution because, you know, you keep hitting that brick wall and yeah. it's, it's, it's just challenging to then say to yourself, oh, geez, like if I'm still hitting this brick wall, should I still be working here? Because I really want to see some impact. And by working yeah. adjacent, it increases your likelihood that you'll work with some schools that are really, you know, really open to change and, and open to doing things in a new way. I will say, I love that you talk about sort of the, whether it's the push and pull or the yin and yang of what, what makes a college campus and a university great can also be sort of its biggest attractor, right? Is whether it's university traditions or the concept of, you know, tenure and the concept of academic freedom. Those are, those are what, you know, the roots of what makes colleges and universities, particularly in the American sort of system of of, of education really prominent and it, it's what sort of sets us up as key places of learning but at the same token it can have its its downside or its downfall as well and I appreciate that you brought that up I I, I often remember when I was working in a campus-based position that I worked in admissions at the time and you know admissions of course had to work with every academic unit and half the time what the admissions person in the academic unit was doing was sort of in contrast to what I was doing at central admissions and yet we were trying to recruit the same student. And you know, moving into a corporate-based position now, well, certainly there's a little bit of that. There's definitely days that go by where I'm like, okay, how do they not understand that we have to do this process? But it's less. It feels like there's all sort of marching to that same goal with impact data really behind it that we're all looking at versus just this slice of impact data that maybe my team is looking at or that team or that college or that program. So really appreciate that you brought that brought that up because I think that's really going to be interesting for our listeners to hear. Um, Kelvin, I'm interested, you know, sort of next for you, what, what, what do you have next in line? What's, what's up next for you as a, as a, as a person and as a professional, and then maybe close it out with some advice that you have for our listeners who are looking to make that first pivot out of education. Sure. Well, I mean, right now it's interesting because I'm actually, I'm going through, talk about reflection, right? I, I've talked about institutions reflecting. You know, as you, as you get older, you also have to do a lot of reflection too about, about you know, what, what are your goals? You know, what, what do you hope to accomplish? For me, I mean, I would say earlier in my career, I was trying to, you know, obtain positions with larger responsibilities, right? Like I wanted to you know, I went from being a program manager of an online uh, program within the Department of Psychology for one institution to, you know, um, also being a dean, a director of an online program for a community college to being uh, an AVP for e-learning for a larger community college system to being a vice president of academic affairs for a fully online 
campus within a, a very large, even a larger community college district like uh, Tarrant County College. And so I feel like for me, I'm not necessarily interested in, you know, that next big title per se. I really want to be able to do something that actually has value to the learner. I think now more than ever, and, and with the pandemic especially, like, you know, time is short. You know, we've, we've, we've lost so much because of the pandemic in terms of personal freedoms. We've lost, obviously, people that we care about. And, you know, and now, you know, being a dad, being a, a partner to someone, like, I, I guess for me, I'm just, I'm looking at my career as, you know, what, what, if the world ended tomorrow, or hopefully not tomorrow, let's say a week or a few months or a couple of years from now, what can I be doing now to make a positive impact in, in the whatever time that I have left? And so what I would love to be able to do is be a part of an initiative, whether it's with a very innovative community college or a university or an organization that works adjacent to higher ed to do something that will have a big impact on learners. Um, and so for me, I'm, I've been you know, pursuing opportunities where my role would allow me to actually you know, help a school with like uh, uh, learn to earn pathways for adult learners. I think again, adult learners get left out of the picture. Traditional colleges and universities are still not quite set up to have as big of an impact as they could in terms of supporting adult learners. I think some, some schools are doing that really well and others are, are still trying to figure out the calculus of that because it's, it's challenging, right? So that interests me in terms of you know, a future position. I'm also reflecting upon, is it time for me just to maybe you know, hang out a shingle and be more of a, a full-time consultant, uh, which is also, it's, you know, it's it pros and cons, right? In terms of gives you great flexibility to work on the projects you want to work on, but then the work comes as it comes, right? So it's it's also trying to find a way to do that in a way that uh, where you could still, again, enjoy the work and and, and also, of course, pay your bills. <laughs> and uh, you know, when I you know, and I'm a, a slightly older dad. I you know, our daughter was born when I was uh, 40 years old. And so, you know, I, college is going to be an expensive pursuit for our kids. And so I'm hoping scholarships will help pay for some of that. But, but I also want to be able <laughs> don't, to, don't we uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I still want to find, a, you know, an opportunity that will um, also, you know, help support my family longer term. So I struggle with that a bit, although I think right now more than ever because of, of the pandemic, there are lots of opportunities out there right now where, you know, whether you're working with a school or with an organization, there could be an opportunity for me to, to do the work that I'm describing uh, fairly easily, you know, once that opportunity kind of came along. And so, and then you asked me before about, you know, what advice I would give. I would, I would do different things. I mean, I would definitely continue to just be open, you know, for me, continue to leverage um, sites like LinkedIn and Indeed.com and your social network to find opportunities that align, not just with uh, positions that you've held, you know, within higher ed, let's say, but then also continue to look for opportunities outside, you know, again, use search variables that align with the skills or with the, the types of context that you've worked in before. So whether it's digital learning or student services, 
learner communities. You know, Jamie, for example, you know, you have great experiences working, again, in student affairs. You know, one of the things that I'm seeing right now is that there are kind of startup companies and others that are looking for folks to help, you know, help learner communities, you know, whether it's like Coursera or, you know, other organizations, boot camps, right? So think about it in terms of thinking, looking at your resume and really kind of thinking through about, yeah, what are the opportunities that are out there that align with my background? And then trying to define those skills or contexts and short search variables that you can use such that on a daily basis or a weekly basis, you can get, you know, job postings that hopefully will interest you. It's not a perfect science. I don't, you know, there's sometimes when I, I put in like, let's say digital learning and I get all these positions that are not quite what I want, for example, like learning and development positions or digital learning sometimes is defined very differently. It's more like instructional designer, like, hey, we're looking for someone that knows articulate and all these e-learning tools, which is not me. I'm I'm much more strategic versus tactical in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you have to kind of finesse your search to get what you want. I would also network with folks, like-minded folks, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or or Jamie or, you know, whoever, you you know, is in your social network to try to, you know, reach out to Tom. And and I think we can kind of build our own tribe of of folks to, you know, to stay in contact with. One of the things too, I would say, you know, if I had to redo LinkedIn, it would be great to somehow bubble up positions that you're also finding on LinkedIn because, you know, we're connected to hundreds of people but when, what ends up happening is that in any given moment, someone might say, like Tom might say, hey, here's a job posting, and then he will post it on LinkedIn, but you may not see it, right? And yeah. so it would be great if there was a way for LinkedIn to kind of funnel some of those opportunities as well, that you're, but funnel them not from the web, for, for example, but funnel them from your actual contacts, so if LinkedIn is listening to this podcast, there you go. A great value add to, to the tool. But but I <laughs> but I would but I would also say just you know be 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 just be open and and of course you know ask if you're able to find uh, some examples of positions that interest you outside of higher ed. Feel free to you know if you're uh, you know contacted for an interview, use it as an opportunity to ask as many questions as possible, get a sense of the culture there. Because I think one of the things that is challenging with making that leap is, you know, when you make the leap, you know, you're you're thrown into a new culture or you're thrown into a perception of you maybe needing extra help in that culture. So what I mean by that is sometimes, because I remember applying for a position where the person thought, it was going to be a very hard transition for me because he assumed that, hey, you know, he, he, he was an academic, so he's not going to really enjoy working in a very entrepreneurial, fast-paced type of setting. And so, you know, if, if you have a concern about that, definitely ask that during the interview, but definitely get a sense of what the culture is. Make sure that it, it aligns with what you're comfortable with. And I think that will that will help you a long way, you know, as you're making that leap and continuing to deal with the change from higher ed or ed to the corporate space. I think Tom was going to maybe mention a bit earlier that 
we may may have a guest on one of our future episodes who currently works at LinkedIn. Probably not the area that has control over <laughs> how jobs are filtered, but we could definitely put the plug in. I see what you mean, though. I mean, I think LinkedIn does have some good filters to kind of serve up the jobs that you're looking for, which I think is valuable for folks in higher ed that might be looking to move to consider, because I know that most of the time I was just focusing on higheredjobs.com or yeah. university-based websites. So um, emphasizing this is good, but we will we'll have to put a plug in so that you can have a filter that these are your contacts because you know, I think you make a great point. At the end of the day, networking is very, very essential. And I too now I've been outside of higher ed for, I'm still in higher ed, but I've been outside of campus-based positions for four years. And I know my previous colleagues from my company now who have moved on, I stay in contact with them and they're telling me about opportunities in their companies. And it's just like what we know from campus-based positions, you know, people people know each other and move move on and, and support each other. So I think we're probably a great example of folks being connected through networking just on LinkedIn where we met. So I believe it was LinkedIn. It could have been Twitter. I don't know. All of the social media platforms tend to blend together, but it's great hearing about your story and sort of your past in the digital learning space and how you've articulated it over and the advice that you've given, just really practical advice for folks to think about networking and searching for jobs that that I don't think that come intuitively to them uh, being raised in a campus-based kind of perspective. So thank you so much for your time today. It was great chatting with thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And for everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget to join us next week. As always, thank you to our guests for joining us. Additionally, special thanks to our sound editor, John Alexander. We spend one third of our life at work. It should be something we believe in and have a passion for. It's okay if that passion changes. If you are thinking about pivoting out of education or know someone who is, visit our website at pivotingoutofedu.com for advice, testimonials, and blog articles. Have advice to share or would like a private consultation? Contact Jamie or Tom via the website or at pivotingoutofedu at gmail.com.